I believe in America, it's going to come down to this. It's going to come down to the real God stepping forth out of the people who really know Him and saying, the Lord, He is God. Welcome to Life Talk with Dr. Jeff Wickwire, author and founding senior pastor of the exciting Turning Point Church in Fort Worth, Texas. Pastor Jeff is known for his heartfelt and practical proclamation of the scriptures. We are so glad you joined us today. So stay tuned as Pastor Jeff teaches, encourages, and challenges you from the Word of God. The amazing thing about the God of the Bible is that He knows how something will end before the beginning begins. Hi everybody and welcome to Life Talk. I'm Jeff Wickwire and thanks for joining us this time. Today we're continuing a brand new series through the book of Daniel that I've called Courageous Living. You know, one way the Bible stands out as a truly supernatural book is by the prophecies found within. And few Bible books reveal this better than Daniel. In the book of Daniel, God reveals the beginning and end of entire nations before they even step onto the stage of history. The God of the Bible knows the end of something before its beginning begins. And we're about to see this in action in today's message as King Nebuchadnezzar has a dream that nobody can interpret until Daniel steps up. And the dream is a powerful prediction of nations not yet born. So grab your Bible and follow along as I share the message The king has a dream. How many of you can remember the book of Revelation? We went through it just a while back, right? Now, what you're going to do is you're going to notice some of Revelation in this tonight because you can't teach the book of Revelation without holding Daniel in the other hand. And you can't teach Daniel without referring to the Revelation because the two really do coincide and mix together. And so last time we saw that Daniel and his three teenage friends, uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and those are the names that Nebuchadnezzar gave them when he was trying to assimilate them into Babylonian life. You remember that? And they resisted assimilation, which we must do. They courageously resisted the indoctrination attempts of King Nebuchadnezzar to turn them into Babylonians with Babylonian ways and thinking. We also pointed out that this is where the battle line has been drawn for the church today like never before. Christians in America are pressured. And you know what? Threatened. And you know what more? Coerced into embracing things that are totally against the Word of God. Examples, the homosexual movement, same-sex marriage, abortion, to name a few. These are where cultural battle lines have been drawn. Now, it's my opinion as a student of the Bible that you cannot embrace any of those three, and say that you're following the Word of God. But we're being told if you don't do it, you're going to lose your job, you're going to lose your tax exemption. Some have been arrested. Some have been fined for simply taking a biblical stand against these things. So we find ourselves right now in the position of Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in a pagan kingdom, a post-Christian nation. We are no longer a Christian nation, can I tell you? It's no longer a Christian nation. 
It's a post-Christian nation, and I would take it a step further and say we're right on the verge of really just being a totally pagan nation, a nation that has forsaken the Word of God, has gone its own way, and is now putting its seal of approval on things that God calls sin. And not only approving of it, but celebrating it. So now, hence the stand that Daniel and his friends took is a witness and an encouragement to the church of the 21st century. We need to learn what we're going to get out of the book of Daniel because these four Hebrew teenagers, these were teenagers. Now, I believe Daniel was the oldest, but nevertheless, these are young men who stood against an entire kingdom, stood for God, and rocked that kingdom with the knowledge of God because they refused to bow their knee to the idols of Babylon. So this is our call. I really do believe this is the church's call today. Now, finally, we saw how God honored their commitment by granting them favor and promotion. But now in chapter 2, a major test is about to be presented to them when Nebuchadnezzar has a mysterious, troubling dream. Now, we're going to see the dream was from God, but it troubled this pagan king. Now, let's start with Daniel 2, verse 1. We're going to go through chapter 2 tonight. We're going to move right through the book of Daniel, at least a chapter every week. Now, in the second year of Nebuchadnezzar's reign, the Bible says, Nebuchadnezzar had dreams, plural, and his spirit was so troubled that his sleep left him. So this was a major dream that had actually been given him by God. In fact, we're going to see that his dream is a profound prophecy that is going to open the door for Daniel to exercise the gift of interpreting dreams that have been developing in the shadows. And I shared with you last week, God's developing you. You may not feel like it right now. You may look in the mirror and you don't feel like God's developing you or maturing you. But if you're getting up every day and seeking Him, you're His child, and you're walking in an obedient life to the best of your ability, God is preparing you for an hour and an hour for you. We have come to the kingdom for such a time as this. Turning point? Amen? Amen. Nebuchadnezzar's response to the dream is to call all of his occultic wise men together to interpret the dream. He's pagan. He doesn't know God. So he calls for all the, really, the phony balonies, the people who really don't have much. They're occultists. And we're going to see the king gave the command Listen to this group. This is a motley crew. The magicians, the astrologers, the sorcerers, and the Chaldeans who were also astrologers to tell the king his dreams. So who has he accessed? He has accessed occultists, sorcerers, not any men of God. He's accessed people who are plugged into the other world, the dark side. And that's where he thinks he's going to get his answer. So they came and they stood before the king. And look what it says. The king said to them, I have had a dream, and my spirit is anxious to know the dream. Now look what it goes on to say. Verse 4, the Chaldeans spoke to the king in Aramaic. O king, live forever. Tell your servants the dream, and we will give the interpretation. Now it's not phone, it's phony. Now the phony false prophets... And magicians know that once he tells them the dream, they can just make something up. No big deal. Hey, king, tell us the dream, and we'll interpret it for you. Well, any one of us here tonight 
could do that. We just make something up. Oh, here's what it meant. This is what it meant. No problem. Here we are, king. You've called the right guys. And that's when the king drops a bomb. The king answered and said to the Chaldeans, my decision is firm. If you do not make known the dream to me and its interpretation, this guy was a nice guy. You shall be cut in pieces. Isn't that just a great visual? And your houses will be made an ash heap. <laughs> wow. He's upset, right? This king is upset. I've wondered about old Nebuchadnezzar several times. Because, look, he's not only telling them, give me the interpretation, but I want you to tell me what I dreamed. I'm not going to tell you. You tell me what I dreamed. Right. Now, as they hear this, the color is leaving their faces. It goes on. However, if you tell the dream and its interpretation, here's what I'll do for you. You shall receive from me gifts, rewards, and great honor. Therefore, and he looks at these guys, therefore, tell me the dream and its interpretation. Well, I can just see their faces right about now. They can't fake this. No way. I mean, how in the world, if I came to you and said, man, did I have a dream last week? You tell me you're a prophet? I had a real dream last week. You say, oh, yeah, I'm very prophetic. What's your dream? I say, no, if you're prophetic, tell me the dream. And then tell me what it meant. I don't know a person unless they had the Spirit of God who wouldn't say, hey, and they'd walk away because you can't make this up. The dream could have been a billion, trillion different things. And so they are told this definitively. You want to be cut in pieces? Don't tell me. You want to be blessed and honored? Tell me. Now, the demand requires a genuine spiritual revelation that can only come from an all-knowing God. It's guaranteed to expose the fakery of these occultic mystics. Their very lives are on the line, and they try once more. Now they're in debate mode. They're in negotiation mode. And they answered again in verse 7, and they said, Let the king tell his servants the dream. And we will give its interpretation. Maybe you didn't hear us the first time, king. The king answered and said, I know for certain that you would gain time. In other words, here's what he's telling them. You're stalling. You're stalling here by debating with me about this because you see that my decision is firm. So he's telling them, I see right through you. You know that I mean what I say. So in asking me again, you're just stalling for time because you don't know what to say to me because you don't have it. If you do not make known the dream to me, he goes on, there's only one decree for you. You have agreed to speak lying and corrupt words before me till the time has changed. Therefore, tell me the dream, and I shall know that you can give me its interpretation. Now there's no way out. He's told them twice. They're standing there. They're looking at each other. They're looking at him. They're looking up. They're looking down. They're looking around. What do we do? We don't know how to tell him what he dreamed. And they reply by stating the request is impossible. This is what they say, verse 10. The Chaldeans answered the king, and they said, there is not a man on earth who can tell the king's matter. Therefore, no king, lord, or ruler has ever asked such things of any magician, astrologer, or Chaldean. Nebuchadnezzar, you're being unfair here. You're being unreasonable here. There is not a man on earth 
who can tell you what you dreamed, but they were wrong. There was one. And his name was Daniel. And the only way Daniel is going to pull it off is by seeking the God who gave Nebuchadnezzar the dream. Verse 11, it's a difficult thing that the king requests, they go on to say. And there's no other who can tell it to the king except the gods. Notice plural. They don't know the living God. They don't know the one and only God. They don't know Jehovah God. Their gods are plural. They are fake gods, phony gods. There's nobody that can tell the king what you've dreamed except the gods whose dwelling is not with flesh. Now notice how they argue that the only one that could possibly meet his request is the gods. And guess what, Nebuchadnezzar? They don't talk to us people. Now here's what they're admitting. They're admitting they don't have any real God. You know, there comes a day if your God is false, if you don't know the real God, the day comes when that's going to be exposed when you really need Him. If your God is false, if it's an idolatrous God, a God made up by human imagination, the day will come when you really need Him and He won't come through for you. And they're saying to Nebuchadnezzar here, okay, you, you put us in a corner Here's the truth, Nebuchadnezzar, O king. Our gods don't talk to us. I'm glad to say my God talks to me. The real God talks. The real God has a mouth. The real God has eyes and ears and speaks. And he has a mind and he has knowledge and he knows the future. So this little back and forth with these occultists and the king is revealing that the gods they have been presenting to him have been phony and fake the whole time. It's been fakery, phony, the whole time. And you know, it's a scary thing when you put all your marbles into the basket of a false god. And then it comes down to you realize when you really need some kind of a supernatural answer, the one that you have been trusting in and what you have been believing in can't begin to come through for you. This is what was shown when Elijah brought all the priests and the prophets of Baal together and said, you call out on your God, Baal, and I'll call out on my God. And the God that answers by fire, he is the real God. And they all said, oh, that's great, that's great. And the Bible says that he said, you first. And so the prophets of Baal and all the priests of Baal began to cry out and call out on Baal. And they got frantic and they started cutting themselves and they started going through all kinds of displays of emotion and really got frantic and no fire ever fell. One man, Elijah, one man, a minority, one man, not the majority, the real small minority stepped forward who knew the real God and said, oh God, you're the true God. Show them who you are. And the fire fell and licked up the water and burned up the wood. And the whole nation fell on their face and said, The Lord, He is God. The Lord, He is God. The Lord, He is God. Do you not see that's where we are today in our nation? It's really coming down to this. You say secularism is your God. You say that this is the real God and that's the real God. And you Christians are saying that you know the real God. And we don't believe it. I believe in America, it's going to come down to this. It's going to come down to the real God stepping forth out of the people who really know Him and saying, the Lord, He is God. That's what's happening here. 
Nebuchadnezzar is getting a real revelation. My guys, these guys I've been looking to, they don't know anything. They're fake. But this was such an empty argument because these magicians and sorcerers had gotten their job by claiming to perform magic and doing incantations that supposedly invoke spiritual powers from another world. And now their phoniness is laid bare. And the king is not thrilled. Look at verse 12 says, For this reason the king was angry and very furious. And he gave the command. Look how serious this is getting. He gave the command to destroy all the wise men of Babylon. You know why he's this mad? Now, I'm not justifying his anger, but here's what he's experiencing. I've been had. These guys have been lying to me all these years. They don't have a real God that can help me when I really need him. I've been had, so I'm going to wipe them all out. So the decree went out, verse 13, and they began killing the wise men. So there's killing going on. Now it's gone from a trial to tribulation. And they sought Daniel and his companions to kill them. Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were on the hit list because they were considered wise men as well. So people are starting to die. Daniel and his friends are on the hit list. Daniel, God's man for the hour, steps to the fore. Look what Daniel says. Verse 14, then with counsel and wisdom, Daniel answered Arioch, the captain of the king's guard, who had gone out to kill the wise men of Babylon. And he answered and said to Arioch, the king's captain, why is the decree from the king so urgent? What's up? What has caused this? Why the killing of the wise men? What has gone down? Then Arioch made the decision known to Daniel, told him what had happened. And when Daniel learns of the peril of the hour, he says, give me a little bit of time. I need some time. I just need time to pray. If he wants an interpretation and he wants the dream revealed, you've got to give me some time to pray. That's all I ask. I'm not faking it. I'm not going to lead him astray. I just need time to seek God because I know who knows what he wants to know. Verse 16, so Daniel went in and asked the king to give him time that he might tell the king the interpretation. He went right straight to Nebuchadnezzar and said, listen, don't kill me and don't kill us. Give me time to pray. Can you imagine the prayer pressure? You know, here's the king. Already people have died. You've gone to the king and said, hey, and you're on the list. And you say, hey, king, give me a few hours to pray and let me see if God will talk to me. Can you imagine going into prayer what you would say to God? Hey, God, don't know if you've noticed, but if you don't tell me what he dreamed, we're toast. Right? This is pressure. This is high-level, extra-strength, industrial-strength, stress, and pressure. Then Daniel went to his house, and he told his friends about it, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, their names before Nebuchadnezzar changed their names, his companions. We would say today he's told the church. He's told his brethren. He said, we've got to really go into the place of prayer right now. This is serious. We're dead if God doesn't speak. And he said, here's why, that we might seek mercies from the God of heaven concerning this secret so that Daniel and his companions might not perish with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. Then the secret, everybody say the next four words with me, was revealed to Daniel. 
Who knows every secret, everybody? The God who sent Jesus Christ to die for our sins. And how did he get the secret? He got it in the place of prayer. If any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all men liberally and upbraids them not for asking, and it shall be given him, James said. So here we go. And when they received the answer, and how did he get it? He got it in a night vision. I think that means he was asleep. How he went to sleep, I'll never know. But if it happened in his sleep, it came to him in a night vision. God sent him a vision. God sent him the answer. God answered prayer. Can we say that together? God answered prayer. And let's remember the providential God is in charge of all these things. He gave Nebuchadnezzar the dream. He knew that all the phony baloney magicians and sorcerers would be exposed. He knew that Daniel and the three buddies of his would seek God. And God knew, I'm going to give Daniel the answer because I'm about to rock this kingdom with a knowledge of me. So Daniel had a praise fit. Daniel blessed the God of heaven. So now there's a major crisis in Babylon. And Daniel and his friends who had refused to assimilate through indoctrination in Babylonian ways now hold the key to the crisis. So God has supernaturally spoken to Daniel in a dream. What only God could know, the contents of the dream he himself had given to Nebuchadnezzar. And the four young men have a praise meeting. And uh, Daniel answered and said, verse 20, Blessed be the name of God. Wouldn't you be blessing God if you got the answer? Because he knows his life is saved right now. He says, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, for wisdom and might are his. And he changes the times and the seasons. Now listen to what he's going to say here. Because what he says in this praise moment is powerful. He changes times and seasons. He removes kings and raises up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. You see what he's saying? God's in charge of nations. When God wants to, he just removes a king. When he wants to, he raises up another king. God is in charge of nations. Now it goes on. He reveals deep and secret things. He knows what is in the darkness, and light dwells with him. Wow, what a powerful confirmation that the God of the Bible is the one true God. And the Bible is really His Word. And this is something we will see repeated in this eye-opening journey through the book of Daniel, that God is the God of nations. He knows when they will arise and He knows when they will fall. He knows what their characteristics will be, their strengths and their weaknesses. What an amazing God we serve. Now, don't go anywhere because we have some exciting things to share with you, our Life Talk listeners, that you're going to want to take advantage of. Until next time, I pray God's rich blessings be yours. Hi, this is Jeff Wickwire, the host of Life Talk Radio, and I've got some exciting news for you. It's been in my heart for quite some time to see our Turning Point worship team produce their own Christ-exalting music. And you know what? It's finally happened. Thank you.
TPC Worship's debut album, Mercy Triumphs, is available right now on iTunes and Amazon, or you can visit tpcfamily.org forward slash worship to get your copy today. That's tpcfamily.org forward slash worship and get your copy, and I know it's going to be a blessing to you. The King Has a Dream is the second message of Pastor Jeff's new series, Courageous Living. You can own a copy of this 13-CD set for just $65 plus shipping. Log on to lifetalkradio.us or call us toll-free at 877-884-3111. Get your copy of today's message for just $5 or purchase the entire series, Courageous Living, for only $65 plus shipping. By logging on to LiveTalkRadio.us or calling us toll-free at 877-884-3111 for more information. You've been listening to Life Talk with Dr. Jeff Wickwire. To find out more about Dr. Wickwire's ministry and Turning Point Church, visit us at lifetalkradio.us or call us toll-free at 877-884-3111. That's 877-884-3111. And as a reminder, Life Talk is a listener-supported ministry. We exist to bring God's Word to thousands of people in your area on this great station. So your prayers and financial support go a long way in helping us with this endeavor. Please prayerfully consider helping us. Thanks again for listening today, and we look forward to meeting with you once again on our next Life Talk broadcast. Music.